When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Do you know who my dad is? A limited series podcast from Betches Media. Hosted by Brian Russell Smith and Alicia Angelus. Do you know who my dad is? A podcast about failing up. Hello, and welcome to Do You Know Who My Dad Is? I'm Brian Russell Smith. And I'm Alicia Angelus. Do You Know Who My Dad Is? is a limited series podcast by the Betches Up, Not Another True Crime, and At Betches, exploring dynastic nepotism and the effects it has on media, culture, and our current political system. Yes, this podcast exposes the privilege that leads to inexperienced and unaccomplished children of powerful people, usually white men, getting ahead despite lack of experience, intelligence, and mediocrity. Nepotism leads to privilege, which leads to a false sense of entitlement, which leads to unqualified people getting the most powerful positions in multiple facets of our society. Let's get to nasty. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Brian. Happy How are you? Friday. Happy we Friday. Yeah. Well, that's good because so we record these on Fridays and they also come out on Friday. So we can say that and it makes sense. Yeah. I just <laughs> put that together now. Because <laughs> yeah. for those of you who don't know, this is not live. This is pre-recorded. Yeah. yeah. We so, are not good uh, what are we getting into? What are we getting into <laughs> today? Today we're talking about media. Media is controlled by so many different families. Think of like Viacom is controlled by a family, I'm pretty sure. Um, Mm -hmm. Tons of different companies are. But today we are going to be talking about the Murdochs and the Ox Soulsburgers. So let's get into it. Yeah, so I'm I'm covering the Murdochs. We're going to do the Murdochs first. But I I like how, so the Murdochs, like... um, Think of like Fox and the Sun in Britain, and then for the Salzburgers, that's like the New York Times. Just for everyone's reference, okay? Yeah, major, major, major conglomerates. Yeah, so um, I'm going to the Murdochs, and we are going to focus mainly on the current patriarch Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch is currently 89 years old, and he has two sons, James and Lachlan, who are the most like entwined within the company. And so the company that we're going to be talking about is like, so it's called News Corp, which is like the overarching like media conglomerate. But News Corp is like, it's like, so think it owns a bunch of stuff. And if you watch the show Succession, it's basically based on this family. Have you seen Succession? I started it. (laughs) I'm supposed to be super into it. But. It's good. I I love it. We that's like one of the few shows that I can watch like with my boyfriend that we both exactly really like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no, very few and far between. 
It's like the one show where I was like, babe, we could actually watch this. I know. Um, it's really good. I suggest checking it out. And if you watch it, then you, now you'll know. So the Murdoch family controls a crazy amount of media, not just in the United States, but in the United Kingdom and Australia. They even have global companies. Like they have like stakes in like places like Papua New Guinea and India. But for the sake of time, we are just going to focus on these three things. Um, in Australia, News Corp and the Murdoch family uh, control about two-thirds of the country's newspapers. Um, Rupert Murdoch's father owned the Adelaide News, a regional newspaper that Rupert Murdoch inherited when he was 22, which was back in 1952. So this, they've been around for a long time. And he basically pioneered the idea of tabloid journalism, and it became, that, that paper became very popular because it started to cover scandals. And in 1964, he founded the country's first national newspaper. They also now own GQ Australia, as well as Sky News Australia, um, which is like their sort of like Fox News um, equivalent. Uh, In the UK, one of the biggest magazines is The Sun, which The Sun had previously supported Labour, which is like the party similar to like the left, more of the left here, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, and it was more of like a liberal-esque newspaper, but under Murdoch's ownership, the paper shifted and began to support conservatives like Margaret Thatcher, who at the time was campaigning to become uh, the British Prime Minister. And we all know like how that ended. Like now Britain basically just like hates Margaret Thatcher and did not do much to help female leaders there for the mm-hmm. future. He also acquired the Times and the Sunday Times, which is like the big, the big, you know, companies, the big newspapers in the UK, just like some of them. And then in the 1970s, Rupert Murdoch moved to the United States, moved to New York City specifically, and began expanding his media empire there. He bought the New York Post and New York Magazine in the 1980s. He still owns the New York Post, but has since sold New York Magazine. But most famously, he bought a controlling stake in 20th Century Fox in 1985 for $250 million, which basically changed the landscape of television as we know it. Um, Also, just for shits and gigs, he bought HarperCollins for $293 million. Oh, my God. And still owns the publishing house today in 1996. He started Fox News with Roger Ailes, the, you know, that hellscape that currently is in control of the Republican Party and the presidency. So uh, a lot of what has gone wrong in this country and the world um, can really be traced back to Rupert Murdoch. Like, I wonder what people are up to in Australia. Like, is somebody else like coming up with like the next Fox? <laughs> I know. Well, it's it's crazy that so much of the media, especially, I mean, basically all conservative media in the English-speaking world is controlled by this man. Which um, is And he's wild. 89. It's 89. Yeah. That's the other <laughs> issue. It's like old people, like, still... Aren't you like, tired? Yeah, go to bed. Take a <laughs> nap. <laughs> You are a billionaire. Like, just, like, take a rest and, like, stop ruining the earth. Like, the minute um, I hit 65, I think I'm going to be A-plus all set. Girl, girl I <laughs> want to work 
I want to work till I'm like 45. I'm trying to figure that out. I don't want to <laughs> do this. Like, I can't believe I'm supposed to work every day for the rest of my life. Like, holy shit. Um, okay. So, as I said, I'm going back to the origin of all the wealth. It all began in Australia when, as I said, when Rupert was 22, his father, Sir Keith Murdoch, who was a war reporter turned publisher, he died. And Rupert inherited the family business, which was newspapers. And so, and it was, it was called News Limited, which would eventually become News Corp. So mm-hmm. even though he really took off with the empire, he still started with a leg up. Like he went to Oxford and I don't think it was called Oxford then. It was called something else, but it's today is Oxford. Um, and so this was his job, like right out of the gate because his father died when he was like 21, 22. And then he just like took over the, took over the newspaper and so like wow. it's not just like like he like he like so it's crazy that even he started with nepotism but you know he really took it off like um and so where to begin with all the scandals i'm, I'm going right into the scandals like it's <laughs> all political upheavals can be attributed to murdoch and the media the media that he owns so as we're all aware Fox News has an enormous amount of influence over the Republican Party, and Fox's attention to Donald Trump's candidacy pretty much secured his place as a Republican nominee and eventual president. Like, I remember in, like, 2016 in the lead-up to the election how, like, it would be like Donald Trump is set to speak and he, it, yeah. he would just get so much free press and it would be like, it would be like the camera would be like on an empty podium for like 20 minutes and people like, it wasn't just Fox news, but like Fox news, like also amplified like the nationalism, which Trump yeah. really ran with and like helped establish an us versus them mentality. Yeah. I'd be tempted to even say if Fox news didn't like make him have a presidential come up, he wouldn't have even like been president. Mm-hmm. That's a hot seat, well, I guess, but... I know. Well, t- I mean, I think it's... he. You, they, like, look at the amount of, like, coverage the candidates all got in mm-hmm. that election, and he got so much free press just because he yeah. would say salacious things. It was tabloid journalism. It was pretty, like, gutter shit. It's pretty bad. Um, but fun fact about Fox News. It has been sued, like, numerous times for various reasons about, like, like, li- like, play- like libel, whatever, plagiarism. Um... But despite being called Fox News, it has argued in court that it is not news, but entertainment, and that the hosts are just providing opinions. So that's really frustrating to yeah. to hear. Same thing with like Alex Jones, who's the right wing conservative talking guy. He said that he's entertainment, but people yeah. take what he says as fact, and they um, literally think of it as news <laughs> when it's mm-hmm. not based in any fact. Um, and then when you look to Britain and the UK, there was this hacking scandal in 2011 where basically they had, they're, they're not allowed, they were trying to acquire Sky News in Britain, but they couldn't because of the scandal. And basically Britain Parliament said that they're not allowed to, you know, own anything there and, mm-hmm. or like be on boards. And uh, the Sun that they own, the, the magazine spent years demonizing the European Union to its readers um, where it helped lead the Brexit campaign that then persuaded a slim majority of voters in 2016 referendum to endorse pulling out of the European Union. And since then, there has been, you know, I don't even know if they've figured out a deal, <laughs> you said to this day. Yeah, I mean, um, 
in Australia, where his hold is most extensive, the outlets pushed for the repeal of the country's carbon tax and helped topple a series of prime ministers whose agenda that he disliked, including Malcolm Turnbull. The Murdoch family has changed Australian politics in 2016 when he took control of Sky News Australia and imported the Fox News model. And they... Yeah, they basically did right-wing opinion shows that often focused on race, immigration, and climate change. As we know, Australia basically burned, almost the entire country burned in earlier this year, which feels like forever ago. Um, but that, that, that happened just world. this year. Basically, it, they, they estimate that they killed that it killed about like a billion um, animals, which <laughs> is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and but. In terms of scandals within the family, there has been this like rivalry between James, uh, I mean, Rupert Murdoch's sons, James and Lachlan, um, both really trying to become the heir to the empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just come from very different ideals, like backgrounds. Like Lachlan is more of like Rupert Murdoch. And James was more like trying to take the empire to a new direction. Like, and for a while it seemed that James was the front runner and he wanted to take the meat empire to like a more digital moderate place. Mm-hmm. And Lachlan wanted to keep it as reactionary politics and inflammatory, more similar to Rupert's, uh, Rupert's. And unfortunately for James and the world, Rupert does designated his son Lachlan as their <laughs> apparent um it's interesting because Lachlan like Rupert didn't even wasn't even the one to tell James that he was picking Lachlan even though for a while everyone thought it was going to be James and James thought it was going to be James but Lachlan told James over a lunch together because they were already like fighting like the um and they were just like and he, he apparently quit for like like for like a little bit this is like it's so crazy because i watched the session and it's like so similar but he uh he quit and then he like came back and then he still worked there um and for uh although since like like rupert's been old he's been kind of dismantling the empire like we talked about this in the disney episode um but the 21st century fox he sold to the walt disney company for 71.3 billion dollars um just and he i know he gave so rupert murdoch has six children from four marriages and each child got two billion (laughs) dollars and the two youngest are like teenage girls like i can't imagine that holy shit (laughs) they're gonna have no friends (laughs) i know i mean like it's my god uh, um it's crazy but like so that was a big like scandal because uh the the two boys, the two sons, James and Lachlan, Lachlan did not want to sell to Disney, like, at all. He wanted to yeah. hold on to as much power as possible. But James was really pushing for the sale. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Lachlan even threatened to quit if, and stop, or not, or he would say he would stop speaking to his father if they sold to Disney. Mm. M- apparently, Rupert didn't care, and he still speaks to his son anyways. Um... So it's weird that he, like, ended up selling and, like, siding with James, but mm-hmm. still gave Lachlan control. But So Lachlan is now in charge of the Fox Corporation, which is Fox News and, like, Fox Sports, etc. 
Um, but this leads me to the Black Sheep, which is sort of James Murdoch, like I was saying. Yeah. So just recently, he has resigned from the board of News Corp and seemingly left the family business. So James resigns. Uh, him and his wife in January, like prior to his resignation, condemned the organization's coverage of climate change particularly for denying the role of global warming in Australia's devastating fires. Wow. Um, And just basically, in his resignation letter, he says, my resignation is due to disagreements over certain editorial content published by the company's news outlets and certain other strategic decisions. Like, after Roger Ailes, remember in, like, 2017, like, like there was, like, a string of, like the Me Too movement with like Richard Carlson, like yeah, they cover this in the movie Bombshell. Um, and when Roger Ailes was outed, and at that time James was still with News Corp, and he was like, "Let's bring in the the CBS executive. Let's make it more moderate." And Lachlan was like, "No, let's let's like fucking dig in even deeper." And uh, they ended up going Lachlan's direction, obviously, wow. and then like. And that's when like, you get, like, Sean Hannity at a Trump rally, like, saying, calling other media fake news. It's, like, they just, they just, like, Lachlan has just, like, really merged Fox and the Republican Party together and Trumpism, basically. So wild. And so uh, James, he's left. He's basically, with the $2 billion that he received from this Disney sale, him and his wife have basically doubled down on a wide range of philanthropic causes. They created the Quadri- the Quadrivium <laughs> Foundation, <laughs> just rolled off the tongue, um, which says it invests in evidence-based solutions to some of society's most urgent challenges, like climate change like, oh. and other social issues. They're, they're, they just bought a stake at Vice. They're like trying to get like, like liberal and digital. Mm-hmm. Um, and so where they are today, uh, Forbes ranks the Murdoch and his family at number 68 on their on the billionaires list with a combined net worth of $17 billion. Isn't that crazy? Wow. $17 billion. Well, like, I would think if someone has $17 billion, they're like, like lower on the list, but they're all the way at 68. Like, that is insane to me. Yeah. So like I said, he has six children. From four marriages, his youngest are the two two girls, teenagers Grace and Chloe, from his former mm-hmm. marriage. Um, like I said, they are they each have now two billion dollars. Um, Elizabeth is James and Lachlan's full sister, who is now the executive chairman of production company. So she is also apparently could be in the running to eventually take over once oh. Rupert dies. He's not. He's basically not. Yeah, and. From his other first marriage, he has a, 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 another daughter who is a journalist, but she works at one of the places he owns in Australia. Um, and it seems like Lachlan will inherit the empire, but who knows? But with that in mind, Rupert is turning 90 in March, and he like fell on his yacht last year and almost died. Um, <laughs> it's usually like a fall or something weird that takes out like the 90 year olds like we have like a bite of something and then ta-da. well and now he's married to Jerry Hall who's like a model who was with Mick Jagger for a while she's four <laughs> kids with Mick Jagger but their yacht has like this room I was reading about it they have this room that has like stars in the ceiling and oh, if you if you turn on the like one switch, it'll have constellations from the northern hemisphere. 
But then if you turn on the other switch, it'll have constellations from the Southern Hemisphere. I would love a planetarium in my house. That would be <laughs> in, nice. In, your, in their yacht. That's in their yacht. <laughs> that's not even in their home. So that's like their like, accessory. Isn't that crazy? Oh, man. But yeah, my that's the Murdoch. There's so much to learn about this family. It's insane. But, you know, they're going to be very prevalent for a long, long time. I just wonder if somebody would ever try to, like, take them down. Like, they basically created, like, this entire, like, Republican narrative that is fucked. And I mean, I don't, I, like, just, like, you know, we played Monopoly growing up. When do we start, like, breaking apart these media empires? Like, we did that big oil in, like, the early 1900s. It's the same, like, the, the same few people own the majority of all of our media, all of our food even, you know? Yeah. It's like, let's let's break this shit up. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. I think that kind of brings me into like the perfect segue to the New York Times. Like they legitimately own like over 33 different newspapers and I thought of them immediately because they, I think, are like the quote, the paper of New York, obviously. Like, they're the ones that everybody kind of trusts. They're the one that everybody looks to. Yeah. Meanwhile, they are created by a family. And, like, all these places are owned by different people. Like, I know Viacom owns, like, MTV, Nickelodeon, Showtime, Movie Channel. <laughs> and, like, them. there's also the Newhouse family. But there's something about the Soulsberger family that I find really interesting because it naturally started from like these really wealthy, um, like this really like what was wealthy family, but like started with like kind of like the poor guy who was trying to come up and then suddenly everything explodes and now everybody's rich and it just goes from like air to air, which is fucking Yeah, I honestly, like I had no, I didn't really have that much idea about this until we started like talking about this podcast. I didn't Mm -hmm. realize like the New York Times is like you're like you're saying the paper, and I didn't realize that it was it was there was nepotism involved in that. Yeah, and like I'm gonna obviously go into all of it, but I coming out of it and like okay, like I still believe in what the New York Times says, but mm-hmm. it just kind of rubs me the wrong way that it was just handed down from like guy to guy, white guy to white guy. <laughs> and yeah, it still is today. So starting off, in 1858, a lovely man named Adolf Simon Ox was born, 
Um, this is similar to other stories you all hear. Like I said, he basically at 19 was a publisher at the Chattanooga Times. Um, he, the Chattanooga Times was like not a huge newspaper, um, but at the time, the New York Times was like a smaller little thing. It like didn't have that much value. It was kind of sinking. And so somebody told Adolf, hey, you should think about buying this. Like you could probably buy it for cheap. You could probably grow it. Figured you could like, get a deal. So in the 18, like in the late 1800s, this man bought the New York Times for 75 grand. Wow. <laughs> and in 1904, he hired his first staff member, started getting ads placed in the paper, and started growing it. Um, and what happened was his daughter, um, I'm just going to, I can't pronounce her first name, but Bertha is who I'm going to refer to her as. <laughs> uh, Bertha Ox ended up marrying Arthur Salzberger, who is A.G., who is the current publisher's great-grandfather. So there's this guy who essentially ends up giving the newspaper to his, like, son-in-law. Um, uh. That is how you think of the family as, like, Salzberger, Oaks, what, Ox, what have you. Ox, um, yeah. Ox, Ox. So... The first, I'm going to basically go through the great-grandfather, the grandfather, the father, and then round it out with the current publisher of the Times, Arthur Greg Salzberger. He is usually referred to as AG. So when you hear AG, you think current publisher. He is a cute 40 years old right now. <laughs> I could date him if I wanted to, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is fucking crazy. So... The great-grandfather, Arthur Hay Salzberger, started working at the Times in 1918. Um, he was publisher from 1935 to 1961, got the job because his father-in-law passed in 1935, which is just lovely how like how nice. Um, it's very I think similar to the Murdoch. It's very similar to the Murdoch yeah. story. Yeah. Like, oh, he just passes away. I'll just like take all the money and run. Um, yeah. So I kind of think of Arthur Hayes as the transition guy. He was the last guy who was the publisher before the Times like kind of boomed. Um, and he started out when it was reaching like hundreds of thousands of people instead of like, you know, the billions. And then it really started to kind of develop its sections, develop radio. And in 1961, he briefly gave the publisher role to his son-in-law, um, but the son-in-law passed two years later, so oh. that ended up resulting in Arthur Hayes giving it to Arthur Ox, known as Punch Salzberger Sr., who is AJ's grandfather. So they that's tried. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, uh, name, nickname, Punch. Punch. Like how did, punch do, you know how, do you know how the son-in-law passed? So there's not much info on it. It seems as if he was just sick. Um, okay. But, like, you never know. I feel as if the New York Times does a really good job of, like, you know, putting out there what they want to put out. Mm -hmm. So now we are AG's grandfather. I'm going to refer to him as Punch real quick. He became publisher in 1963 after getting it from his dad because, like, this guy died. And he, in 1963, was one of the youngest publishers in history. So the nepotism here is so evident. 
already in the 60s. This guy was 37. Um, hint, hint, that's the age that AG was when he got publisher job. Um, and he literally got in the position because of the sister's husband's death. And he was publisher when the Times won the Pulitzer Prize for putting together the Pentagon Papers in 1972. And this is when, like, you know, the Times is, like, hot and heavy, starting mm-hmm. to become, I mean, if not already is, like, what we know it as today. Um, and he basically continued to be publisher up until he passed it on to his son in 1992, even though he remained at the company until like 1997. So Mm -hmm. what I find interesting here is that the son tends to come to the company, hang out for like five to eight years, and then they just throw him into publisher. So (laughs) what is wild is now we're at AJ's father. He's still alive. He's currently only 68 years old, which is like very much alive and kicking. Mm -hmm. Um, And he joined the Times in 1978 as a correspondent in DC. By 1987, he was appointed as assistant publisher um, after working in like a variety of different departments. So he, um, AG's father, was involved in like taking the Times back from like black and white to color. He also was around for 9-11. He developed the entire digital like times that we see today. Like he created like more sections. He was a pivotal force for like all the stuff that you see on the internet. Um, things like that really got them to thrive and not necessarily like, you know, sink like many newspapers have. Mm -hmm. So he has been publisher up until Trump is elected. Um, So this is Arthur Ox Salzberger, AG's father. And in late 2017, he basically is like, hey, guys, I'm good. Um, My son's going to take over in January. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And this is when Trump is in office. So AG, current publisher, He is the fifth generation of this family to serve as the role of publisher. Um, He is currently 40 years old. He's a young guy, obviously, who joined the paper in 2009. Um, And like I said, he was 37 when he became publisher. So like, what I like is that I like, like he seems as if he's a guy who like doesn't stand for people trying to abuse power. But then, at the same time, don't you think about, like, okay, he's only here because of his great-grandfather. Like, that's an abuse of power, no? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's, like, they are, they are, you know, they're less biased. They are, I mean, I mean, they still are pretty, like, I don't know. All people are biased. But I don't know, like, as, like, people who on the left, like, view that, like, the New York Times as, like, this amazing, like, standard for, like, democracy. Yeah. But it's like a monarchy. It's like run like a monarchy. Yes. Like it's basically like this family's like New York Times royalty. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but think about it because when you think of the New York Times, like scandal isn't necessarily a thing that comes to mind. Like I feel as if they control so much of the narrative and honestly have probably like wiped the internet clean of like the sketchy shit that happened. Like I literally tried Googling like, all the top people and was like scandal, scandal, scandal. Mm-hmm. And you can't find like you can find some things, which I will get into. But like it got I think that the New York Times does a really good job presenting itself as, you know, our paper. 
And I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up with it, like getting mail to my house every day. Like, did, I'm assuming you might have. Like, we basically are just brought up to know that they're cool, incredible. Um, but this kind of takes me into the scandals. So I'm sure you probably remember with the 2020 endorsement of Amy and Elizabeth. <laughs> yes, that was um, a little infuriating. Yeah, and like, so the New York Times is known for their presidential endorsement. And like, they usually make this to be under wraps. They do it all off the record and then just like come out with an article and like, that's that. So this year, um, well, I guess it was late last year at this point because it was released in like January. Um, they basically decided to put together a show that was called The Weekly. It was on Hulu. I think it was also on FX. And they had this kind, they had like their sitting editor, Kathleen Kingsbury, Kathy Kingsbury, um, kind of like help take us through the interviews with all the different candidates. And essentially, this isn't necessarily a scandal, so to speak, but like they landed on two different people, which to me was a little infuriating, but also made me question the New York Times because was supposed to be a time where like they were supposed to bring us together. And I feel like they just like continue to divide us. Well, it's also, it's like, you can't vote for two people. So like, why would you endorse two people? It just like literally makes absolute, and it kind of makes the whole idea of it stupid. You know what I mean? Like what's the point (laughs) of endorsing anyone? (laughs) You're going to pick two. And like, I remember when the stuff covered this, like I legitimately, like I probably looked at one of you guys in the office and was like, can you fucking believe and I mean, um I'm wearing my Kamala Harris shirt right now, but I was I was all it. I was on the Warren train for sure. I was too. We all yeah. were. Um and I think that's when I started thinking like, okay, if they're unleashing this like reality show, so to speak, and then they just land on two candidates, like Kathy Kingsbury made the decision with AG, with the publisher. So like where is the publisher's head at when he's like Okay, I'm 37, just became publisher, my first presidential endorsement. You know what? Fuck it, I'll make it two people. Like, yeah. what's up with you, AG? I trust yeah. you sometimes, but like, this made me trust you a little less. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. When I think of AG kind of finishing it off back to him. Um, He is, like I said, like the young guy who like kind of stands up against abusive power. So he has kind of taken it upon himself to speak out about like Trump's like anti-news rhetoric, speak out about like anti-press, basically say that like you can't be running around like talking about like fake news that like the news is the enemy of the people. Like we need the news in order to like, get people to, you know, rally together and change the world. Um, Mm -hmm. And I kind of agree with that. Like, I think, you know, he's kind of right in saying that. Um, But AG, July of 2018. um, So this is six months after he became 
publisher, he was asked to come to the White House for a private off-the-record meeting with Trump. Do you know anything about this? I remember hearing about it and people being like a little weird about it. Yeah, so usually journalists are like not really willing to do this and like, but when you're like as high up as a publisher, aka like AG, he basically was like, okay, you know what, like, I'll let it slide this one time and like, I'll bring a journalist and let's see what happens. So Mm -hmm. in July, they meet. Um, AG proceeds to tell Trump that like he's alarmed by his anti-press rhetoric. Um, Basically, Trump after the meeting was like, ha, you've given me a lot to think about. Um, And it seems amicable. Trump ends up tweeting after the meeting, (laughs) like a while later. Um, basically saying that, like, they spent their time talking about, like, all the fake news being put out. And AG was like... (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I remember remember that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And AG was like, no, we fucking didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And he was like, I don't agree with fake news. Like, I literally was trying to tell you that what I thought you were doing was wrong. Um, And AG proceeded to issue this statement, basically, like, defending himself, defending the paper, what have you. Um... It's like starts to die down. Now, six months later, he gets another meeting. We're now in January 2019, and he gets invited to like another private dinner, and he's just like, "Oh hell no," mm-hmm. um, and is reluctant, and basically goes, "Okay, like I will meet with you if you come on the record." Trump is like, "You know what? Let's have at it." They decide to meet. Mm-hmm. And this started off like a nice meeting. I feel like it was scandalous because of like the whole fact that like Trump is essentially just massaging what the New York Times says and like making up his own narrative. Um, And he basically goes on to talk with AG. AG expresses that he's concerned about the dangers facing journalists. He believes that Trump's contributing to that. Trump, in turn, I found this hilarious because the Daily covered it. And... Mm -hmm. Trump, in turn, was like, um, actually, like, I'm a victim of fake news. Like, everybody tell, like, says that, like, I, I have a horrible reputation when, like, I'm a good guy. I did a good job. <laughs> yeah, people are talking bad about me. So that's why. Meanwhile, people are like, Jamal Khashoggi are being murdered. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, it's fine. Who's the Washington Post journalist? Mm-hmm. He doesn't do anything about it. Also, like, there has they have linked, like, in places where they have killed journalists and they they say fake news and they've even i think have gone so even directly to say well trump treats them this way why can't we you know yeah and like after this interview like ag is just like well we're still not gonna write anything like good about him um and they kind of just like go on and trump since then has only amplified his attacks against the press as like i'm sure you know we know Um, Mm -hmm. and just says that, like, fake news isn't tough enough, like, it's now, like, corrupt news, like, he says that, like, the New York Times is, like, one of the most dishonest papers in the history of the world, whereas, like, when his first, like, little, like, off-the-record meeting happened with AG, like, he went on the daily, um, AG went on the daily and was like, yeah, like, he literally said that there's nothing more important than the New York Times, like, I have no idea, like, what he's doing. Yeah. Shocker, he lied. I know. So overall, like, this just kind of opens a conversation around whether or not the New York Times is a place that's, like, corrupting free press. 
I like to think not, um, but knowing that AG is just a descendant of another Times publisher, it just like constantly keeps me guessing. I mean, I legitimately love like certain parts of the New York Times. I listen to the daily almost every day. I love New York Times cooking recipes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously get the alerts, what have you. Um, but when I sat back and like evaluated the history and thought about like who is missing from here, the first thing that came out to me was women. Mm -hmm. So I find it interesting how no women are talked about here. And mm -hmm. this is just a story where dad hands it to his eldest son. In or some son cases. son-in-law. Or son-in-law. Son -in Won't even hand like, it to his daughter. Like, why not his daughter? Like, that's so yeah. fucking rude. <laughs> 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 and like... I think the New York Times is like a bunch of women who are like great writers and editors and like have good opinions. But like, I've noticed that they constantly put men in the position instead of women. And I feel as if like that's something that some people, yes, talk about, but is not like widely part of the narrative. It is interesting. Like, I'm sure that there was people who were just as or if not more qualified to take over than AG at 37. And I'm sure a lot of them were women at the times, you know? Yeah, and like women with experience, with degrees in this, and like, I don't mm -hmm. know, it just kind of makes me sad. And like, I looked at the history with like the family tree and like AG's grandfather had three sisters. He was actually the youngest of the four children. And I'm just mm. like, hmm, that's sad. Um, and like AG's father had a sister from like Punch's first marriage. And like all these women, yes, some of them like will work at the time, some of them are like directors, whatever but none of them are up to the stature of these white men. Mm -hmm. So AG has one other sibling, a sister, and I found that she actually did a lot of research behind um, The Crown. Interesting, <laughs> which, I love that show. Yeah, I like <laughs> it too. And like, I don't want to say they're unsuccessful by any means, but like they're just not in the limelight. And as... A woman of color, I feel like it's just kind of sad to see that, like, not even the white women are being portrayed. <laughs> 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 so, you know, it's a little sad, but here we are, 2020. Uh -huh. So, where do we stand today? They have over 4,500 employees, and I have to say, I don't think I'll ever really stop reading them. Like, yes, it's rounded in nepotism, but, like, I just will now think about that going forward. Mm -hmm. Um... And I like that they're trying their best to like stay up and coming, not die like a lot of other newspapers have. So overall, lots to learn. And hopefully some women will get to mm -hmm. those high seats eventually. Yeah, it's just like it's the the this example of the New York Times is really crazy to me of like fifth generation nepotism, where like it's not like they aren't like destroying the world, you know, but like um, they're just, like, clenching to this power. It's wild. Yeah, it's just really depressing. And I feel like hopefully the world will change with time, but especially knowing, like, the whole story about Fox, too, I'm just like, oh, what is the world? As yeah. usual. Alrighty, well, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to play a game. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches. And honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash betches. Welcome back, everybody. It is time for a game. Today, we are going to play Get With The Times, which is going to be Bride and I deciding between the Murdochs and the Alksler's burgers and figuring out what is fact and what is fiction. So there's going to be some real, some made up to fool us, and we'll figure out which ones are which. Yep. As always, our podcast producer, Sean, made this game, so we have no idea. So let's get started. First question. The New York Times is famous for its slogan, all the news that's fit to print. However, did you know that it once ran a contest to change the tagline? Fact or fiction? Fact or fiction. Honestly, I have never heard all the news that's fit to print. Have you heard that before? Yes. I think it was an older, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's still the tagline now, but like it was something that was more prominent. I feel like it makes sense. I'm sure some child of one of the Salzburgers was like, Salzburgers was like, um, I want to make my own tagline, not my father's. So maybe there's a new one. I honestly, I have no idea. Yeah, I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if some overachiever tried to change it. So let's say fiction or fact. I say fiction. Oh. Fact. Um. So Adolf Ox ran a contest in 1896 to change the slogan. Um, And the winning tagline ended up being all the world's news, but not a school for scandal. It's no wonder he decided to stick with the original. (laughs) Yeah, I don't blame him either. That's pretty awful. (laughs) Okay. So now about Fox, for Fox. Um, so Fox News Channel also has a famous slogan, although it's a bit harder to swallow. It's fair and balanced was coined by Roger Ailes in 1996. However, did you know that the slogan was once changed? I'll be honest. I don't know much about Fox because I'm mm-hmm. so anti. So I would say it's probably, I mean, with people at Fox, I would say maybe it stays the same. Like, and it never yeah. has changed. So then that know. would be fiction. I know. I know. I don't really know. I feel like it, I feel like they may have tried to change it as well. Because I, because I remember the Washington Post recently changed theirs and it was like, democracy mm. dies in darkness. And I was like, Jesus, that's, 
a little frightening. But this one, I don't know. I do sometimes watch Fox News just to see, not for the news, mostly just um, to find out what they're saying because that's where the president gets all of his information. Mm-hmm. So like, that's what he, that's how he gets briefed. Um, but I don't know. So let's let me see. Let's see. This is a fact. Ooh. This one is also true, and the change is actually in effect today. In August 2016, Fox News Channel began to quietly phase out the fair and balanced slogan in favor of most watched, most trusted. Fun fact about Fox News. Um, they are were recently in court uh, trying to defend a lawsuit against Tucker Carlson, and they argued that they are, in fact, not news, but entertainment, and that everything Tucker yes. Carlson says needs to be taken with a grain of salt because he is a opinion entertainer. So yeah. tell that to the people in your life who still listen, watches Fox News that they actually argue in court that they are not, in fact, not news. Next yeah, time. my grandpa used to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of slogans, Rupert Murdoch also changed the slogan of the Wall Street Journal after purchasing the newspaper in 2007. The little known tagline of the paper is now bringing to you the news of the day. That does it. I just don't really like the way that flows. I, I was thinking the same thing. I don't like the way that came out of my mouth. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, that did not roll off the tongue. I would not approve that. <laughs> so I'm yes. say fiction. Same. <laughs> Let's see. Indeed, it is fiction. The Wall Street Journal actually did have an official slogan in the 80s. It was the Daily Diary of the American Dream which is also pretty awful. <laughs> it's no longer in use today for good reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's really not great. And I'll stick in on the Rupert Murdoch. Um, Rupert Murdoch is well known for his conservative ideology, but did you know that his sympathies didn't always lie with the hmm. conservative establishment? In 1972, he actually backed the leader of the Australian Labour Party. Ooh. This would actually be a really cool fact if it was true. I want to say that maybe, you know, Rupert Murdoch was kind of hot in Australia. Maybe he did help them out a little bit. I mean, I who knows? Because you, you look at like the situation we're in right now. We have all of these prominent conservatives and Republicans backing Joe Biden. Yeah. So you never know. Maybe the maybe the conservative in Australia at this time was a madman. So I, I'm going to say fact too. Right? Let's do it. Fact. Believe it or not, this is true, although it was short-lived. Murdoch backed the leader for the Labour Party, which ran on a social platform that included universal free health care, free education for all Australians, recognition of the People's Republic of China, and public ownership of Australia's oil, gas, and mineral resources. Wow. Damn. Too bad he changed his tune. Too bad he sucks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Arthur Oxelsberger Sr., publisher of the New York Times from 1963 to 1992, got his nickname Punch after then heavyweight champion Joe Lewis posed for a picture with Arthur at the New York Times headquarters. That would be hilarious. Huh. Um, I don't know. I mean... I think that this could be true because in there, I feel like during this time, boxing was very popular, right? 
I feel like there was like a heyday of of boxing. Yeah. And boxing like made a lot of money. It had a lot of big sponsors. Mm -hmm. Glorified, you know, just fighting. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty... Okay, let's see. All right, let's see. It is fiction. Punch is actually a childhood nickname bestowed upon him by his father. Uh, mm. I guess not surprising. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, next one. A.G. famously took over the role of publisher at the New York Times in 2017 at the age of 37. Yes, he did. But did you know that the job almost went to someone outside of the family for the first time in over a century? Um, I would like to think that this is true. Um, but I don't know because I don't, I feel like, I feel like that would have been a fun article for like a competitor to write about that they probably would have blown up. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm going to say, I'm going to say fiction because I, I feel like, I don't know. And you are right, fiction. <laughs> Come on, who are we kidding here? AG did, in fact, have to interview for the job, but the two other people up for the position were, of course, his cousins. Oh, my goodness gracious. That is ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. So, Rupert Murdoch. I, here's the thing about this, this, this guy. Is like, so, like, what he has kids... Do they just like automatically like like what if they want to like I don't know uh, become stripper or yeah. like do something else a with teacher. their life a teacher <laughs> it, like okay Rupert Murdoch is no stranger to controversy but he's also famous for his messy divorce in fact one of his divorce settlements set a record for being the most expensive in history wow this would be really interesting I kind of want to say that it's a fact because i would assume if i had to divorce one of the richest mm-hmm. hands what one of the richest men in the world i would definitely mm-hmm. make it a little i think it's messy. a fact i think i remember reading about this so let's see it is a fact when they divorced in june 1999 rupert's second wife anna murdoch received a settlement of 1.2 billion dollars oh! in assets Although the terms of the settlement have been the subject of great debate, as many assert that she gave up a good deal of money to secure her children's financial future. At the time, this was reported as the most expensive divorce ever. I believe the most expensive divorce now is the Bezos one. Mm. Um, because when they got divorced, she became like the richest woman, like the richest woman in the world, because he's worth like mm. billions. Gargantuan amount of money, billions, um, which is just disgusting. Yeah. That is very interesting. So believe it or not, the last one, um, the New York Times and Rupert Murdoch's News Court almost became one in the same. In 2002, the pair were in negotiations to merge and become the Times Corp, which would have made them the single most valuable journalism entity in the world. Huh. Um. That seems I mean, very like far left meeting far right. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that seems. I, I a part of me is like you never know. You know, like like these kind of people have these conversations all the time that fall through. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have no. I literally have no idea. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say fiction. Yeah. Right. I'm just. Right, I'm just feeling see. that way. 
Yes, come on. Who are we kidding? Again, this isn't succession. It is real life. And as far as we know, nothing of this sort has ever been discussed, but it was definitely an interesting storyline on the HBO series. Ha! Mm-hmm. You got it, Sean. Yeah. I think that was a good one. That was a good one. Um, I love that one. Yeah. So thank you all so much for listening. Um, we will be back in your feed next week with us with i'm going to be talking about the coke brothers yes um, and i'm going to be talking about the walton family mm-hmm, of walmart yeah where paris hilton famously asked if they sell walls there so until next time this is do you know who my dad is a podcast about failing up betches